and welcome to another episode of COM 226, The Social Impact of Mass Media, and I'm your instructor, Stephen Warren. So for this lecture, we're going to be talking about a theory that I know pretty well, cultivation theory. And this theory talks about how the media world can be perceived as what's actually happening in the real world. But first things first, you're actually only a couple of degrees separated from one of the guys that developed this theory. Michael Morgan. I've actually had a beer with him. He was really friendly. He was a professor at UMass and retired the year before I got there. So it's nice to remember that these theories weren't developed by no one. They were developed by actual people and fairly recently too. And the other thing that I find interesting about this theory is that not everyone agrees in media research generally. You know, it's okay to be skeptical of these theories. I certainly was when I first heard about them. I thought, well, I'm not influenced the way you're telling me. And cultivation theory has had this. And some argue that it doesn't hold too much water now, but some think it still does. But we'll get to that in a little bit. First things first, Michael and George were interested in the consequences of growing up and living in a cultural environment that was just dominated by TV. This is back in the 1960s when we basically had three television networks. So they started doing these research projects that they called the Cultural Indicators Project. This was this sort of broad-based, integrated approach to studying TV policies, program, and its impact on people. So to achieve this, they actually had three different methods. The first one is called institutional process analysis. And basically what this did was look at institutional things like media regulations from the government or policies, media systems. And this isn't as relevant as the other two for specifically cultivation, but it's still important because it helps impact what is being shown on television. The second thing they did was content analysis of TV messages. So message system analysis. And this is basically you look to see which messages are being disseminated on television. And like I said, keep in mind that at the time it was basically four TV networks if you include PBS. So people were getting basically all of their information on TV from the same places. And lastly, they did a cultivation analysis. And this is where they actually looked at surveys of people's attitudes and opinions and corresponded them to their TV exposure. So they asked people, how many hours a day do you watch television? And then they would ask them questions that related to the various messages that they found in the system analysis. So what dominant messages were on TV? They asked people if they believed or agreed with those types of ideas. And so what they were looking for with this cultivation analysis was whether those who spend more time watching TV are more likely to perceive social reality in ways that reflect the TV world compared to those that watch less TV. They were looking for a cultivation effect or the independent contribution that TV makes to audience members' conceptions of social reality. Now this is kind of wordy, but basically it just means that heavier viewers of TV might think the real world 
is more like the world that they see on TV. An example of this would be research that I've actually presented at a conference before. So we asked adolescents, that's 13 through 17 year olds, about their media use and their thoughts about sort of the traditional masculine roles in society. And so we would ask them questions like, how many hours a day do you watch YouTube videos? Or how many hours a day do you play video games? Then we also ask them how much they agree with statements like, boys are supposed to play with toy trucks and girls are supposed to play with dolls. Those sorts of questions. And we wanted to see if there was a correlation between people that played a lot of video games or watched a lot of sports, and if they agreed more with those traditional identity gender roles. And so that's one example of a cultivation analysis. And those types of findings are pretty common in cultivation analysis. Basically, the people that consume more of the media see the real world in the same light as the media world. Now, we need to keep in mind that there's a key assumption in cultivation theory, and that's that the TV is a centralized system of storytelling. Okay, that's a key assumption. You know, due to its commercial necessity, TV programs are designed for large and heterogeneous audiences. And the main reason for this idea is that the theory started in the early 70s before VCR and cable. So for the most part, TV was consumed in a relatively non-selective, almost ritualistic way by most viewers. You know, viewers' decisions depended more on the clock, you know, their daily life schedule or national or global events than it actually did on the program itself. Although you could sort of still argue that this hasn't changed too much. All of the top rated shows for each year are always football games. But speaking of a specific genre like sports, traditionally, cultivation effects only occur from the overall use of TV, not just a single channel or a genre. It's the entire system of messages. Though the researchers do acknowledge that individual selective exposure, for example, is important. It's just that TV is somewhat more rigid compared to other media since most television programs are by commercial necessity and designed to be watched by large and heterogeneous audiences. So think about it kind of like if you have a major in college. You know, you have many different classes that you take, kind of like specific genres, but overall the goal is moving you towards a degree in communication or psychology or whatever your major is. So. The classes are different, but combined, they give you what you need to get a job in your field, ideally. And lastly, exposure to consistent representations of facts and ideologies across different genres and programs, along with constant reinforcement of those ideas, means a stable and common conception of reality. So compared to effects research, media effects research, Cultivation is more about this overall influence as opposed to selective viewing, which can be a little bit difficult to wrap your head around. There's no denying that program selection makes a difference, but cultivation would say that there are still important commonalities and consistencies across media. And this gives the possibility 
of shared meanings in a culture. So think of Fox News viewers versus MSNBC viewers. And now think about the idea of family values. So in the US, regardless of politics, the general idea of family is that we should stick together and blood is thicker than water, and that family comes before all, regardless of your political ideology. You know, we talk about our closest friends as family too. And so that's what I'm getting at, is that regardless of what you view or what your ideology is, there are still certain values that we all agree on that are based somewhat on the television messages that we're getting. And this idea that there are certain dominant structures of beliefs or values is what cultivation researchers would refer to as mainstreaming, or the broadest shared meanings or assumptions about something. So the argument is that since TV is a primary storyteller in a society, it contributes strongly to the mainstream ideology, and heavy viewers will discount other influences in favor of this dominant ideology that they see on TV. And so TV can actually erode cultural diversity because of this mainstreaming idea. Again, let's think of families. So, the sort of quintessential family in American life is the middle-class, suburban, upper-middle-class family for a lot of people. Cultivation theorists would argue that prior to television and the beginning of family sitcoms, this wasn't as much the case. It was from people seeing these happy families on TV that gave people the perception of that being the mainstream perfect family situation. And so that's the original conception of cultivation theory. But we do need to consider that the media diet now is quite diverse. I mean, we have a lot of different options and channels, and not to mention a lot of viewer options. So we can watch television or whatever we want at any time we want. Not to mention we can watch it on basically any device that we have that gets access to the internet. So since cultivation is concerned with this system of messages in television, what about the fragmentation that now exists in people's media diets? But the counter question to that would be, does the proliferation of channels and unprecedented choice actually increase the diversity in content or values that heavy viewers consume? I would say it probably depends. So we do have an increased concentration of ownership and program sources. Think of all the things that Disney owns now. ESPN, Marvel, Star Wars, ABC. All owned by the same company now. In addition, there's also personally targeted programs with deeper penetration and integration. Or personally targeted ads, too. And so I would say that Generally, you can still argue that TV still provides a dominant pattern of messages. So the last thing I'll talk about is comparing this to other media effects research, specifically the theories that we've talked about already in this class. So one question is, how does cultivation theory differ from those other media effects theories? And the other question is, how is cultivation research conducted compared to those other effects theories. 
So with traditional effects, we're looking at a change in attitude, behavior, whatever it may be. And we're concerned about before and after exposure. So how does someone think before being exposed to a media message? And how do they act afterwards? Speaking of exposure, selective exposure is also important here. This is where we're deciding what we want to watch, and people's predispositions can influence them. Alternatively, cultivation is not about change. It's more of this sort of long-term impact, and how TV can stabilize or reinforce ideas that are already in the mainstream. And so to do this, you look at what messages are being conveyed in the main system of media messages, and then you do surveys where you compare someone's viewing habits with those ideas and how much they agree with them. And so that's pretty much it for today's lecture. It's a little bit shorter than usual, but cultivation is kind of a simple idea. So the next time you sit down and watch something like The Notebook, and you think to yourself, oh, I wish I could find someone as sensitive and beautiful as Ryan Gosling. Take a second to wonder if that idea of your perfect man is actually your idea that you developed on your own? Or has that idea sort of been informed somewhat by this dominant system of messages from media? Then again, Ryan Gosling is perfect regardless. Thanks, and tune in next time.